Hey everybody, it's Sean Harwell. You're listening to the Never Heard of a Podcast. This is the podcast where we talk about the movies that have fallen through our cracks. Probably some of yours. Maybe your parents' cracks. I bet your parents' cracks do not have any of these movies in them. If they do, your parents are really cool and their cracks are way cooler. So I just would like to congratulate your parents' cracks if they have these movies in them. Anyway, I don't do this alone, thankfully. I'm joined today, as always, uh, for the tee-ups and the full episodes by... The Double Duty, uh, Double Dragon, Craig Moorhead. Say hello, Craig. Hey, everybody. Just here talking about your parents' <laughs> cracks and my duty, so you know what you're in for, I guess. Yes, uh, I think that's a good that's a good warning if you need a warning. Mm-hmm. I, I doubt you do at this point. Uh, you could do a lot worse than going over to NeverHeardPodcast.com, checking out our website. Uh We've got trailers up for most of these episodes, for the full episodes, and you can find everything. You can find all the episodes in a nice little neat player. You blow right through them right there on your desktop if you're stuck staring at a computer all day like most of us. Uh, Craig, how are you? I am so good, Sean. You know, uh, the what's happened since the last time we did <laughs> one of these... Um, I don't know. I, I don't even know if I can go into it. Uh, it's there's so much going on. I will say this: my daughter, uh, who this past year she she went through kindergarten, so she kind of like really has learned to read and like is really coming into her own with the writing and the reading. And so now she's decided that she's going to keep a journal. What? And so she has these. So so we 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 kind of gave her this this sketchbook that we have. You know, so it's just blank pages, and she's so, so every night she's like writing down. Whatever she thinks is important, wow. you know, and just in these, in, just in big letters, just these huge letters and like putting stickers on it. And it's, uh, it's the only reason I share it with you, Sean, is because it's just adorable. And, uh, I just want to spread that sort of cheer yeah. throughout the world. How well, are you? Doing? I'm not that good. I mean, I, I look forward to the day when you, mm. you read it and you find a page where she talks about how much she hates daddy's podcast. But until that day. Oh yeah. Yeah. It's in there. That, that's great to hear. I think journals are a fantastic thing, especially for young people. And yeah, if I may segue into today's episode, uh, we're talking about a movie from a very prominent director who's no longer a young man, but made this movie when he was. And uh, it was not one I was at all familiar with, but it is continuing our sci-fi month here of August. Maybe it's just really hot where you're at and you wish you could just just float out into space and just oh, say yeah. goodbye to it all, you know? Yeah, for real. Also, while you're out there, nobody could hear you scream, so. Yeah, it's the most peaceful way to die. It really is. I can't, I can't imagine anything more peaceful. Mm-mm. Well, hey, that movie is Dark Star. And I'm not even going to spoil who directed it, because uh, if you don't know this movie, you will at least know the director, but that's what you're going to talk to us about today, Craig, when you go through the cast and crew. And before we do that, I just want to say, sadly, it does seem like this movie is a little bit hard to find uh, unless you still have your trusty old DVD player. You can find it easily for purchase on DVD, but it is also streaming at Fandor, which is a subscription service, but I think offers a free month trial. So maybe this is uh, something you want to do. Craig, 
Sean. Who made it? Who made this? Who could possibly have made a movie called Dark Star in 1974? You'd think it would be impossible, Sean, but the fact is a group of people did come together and they made a movie called Dark Star in 1974, the year I was born. Hey, happy yeah. birthday. Thank you. Uh, possibly this was made in celebration of my birth, but I'll Probably. leave that to the historians. Let's jump into the movie, uh, which is directed by John Carpenter, Yay. our favorite horror director of all time. Um, you know, of course, he directed the ni- 1982's, 1982, right? Yes, 1982's The Thing. Mm-hmm. Uh, he directed the first Halloween uh, he's done tons of other stuff. I also recommend Prince of Darkness, even though sometimes it's kind of goofy. Anyway, it's re- he's great, obviously. He's John Carpenter. What yeah. are you going to say? Uh, he directed it. The writers were, are John Carpenter and Dan O'Bannon, who's given me at least one of my favorite movies of all time, which is Return of the Living Dead. He wrote Return of the Living Dead. Uh, but of course he also wrote Alien, which is a fantastic movie and he wrote Total Recall. He wrote a bunch of stuff, um, which is great. And really when you, if you go and look at his IMDb page, this guy, he, he, over his career, he's covered like every possible crew position. It looks like, like he's, he's been an actor. He's done, you know, he's just done tons of stuff, uh, in every facet. So he really knew how, um, how movies worked, I think. Mm-hmm. So uh, the movie's produced by John Carpenter, also by Jack Harris, who did The Blob and Beware the Blob. Mm. Uh, also, uh, Jay Stein Kaplan, who, um, interestingly enough, produced The Final Terror, which we were talking about in the last movie. Mm-hmm. Uh, Susan uh, Justin, the composer, mm-hmm. uh, if you remember from two, from two weeks ago. Gosh. Uh, no, but but uh, we talked last week about um, Forbidden World. Susan Justin did the music for it, and she did the music for The Final Terror as well. Uh, and uh, Jay Stein Kaplan, I'm really kind of getting off track. Jay Stein, there is no track. There isn't really. There's We're in no space. Track. There's no tracks. In that's, space. Tr- that's, that's That's true. Uh, he also uh, produced Carpenter's Assault on Precinct 13. Um, this being a John Carpenter movie. The music is done by John Carpenter. Yes. Uh, our DP is Douglas Knapp, who also shot Assault on Precinct 13. He also shot uh, episodes of Star Trek Voyager for TV. Did a bunch of stuff like that. Editing mm-hmm. was by Mr. Dan O'Bannon. Uh, and I believe this is the only movie he edited. Probably. Uh, starring... Dan O'Bannon. Uh, his, <laughs> uh, he's everywhere. Yeah. Um, uh, many of the fellows in this one I did not recognize, and their their credits not, did not jump out at me as things I would know. But obviously Dan O'Bannon we know uh, and love deeply. He plays a character by the name of Pinback, which is another great name. I love that. So good. Um, uh, yeah. And... The only other person, like, John Carpenter's voice is in it. Mm-hmm. Uh, but the other fellow that I recognized and had credits that I definitely recognized, he, he's also uncredited, but he's playing the alien. It's Nick Castle. Nick wrote Escape from New York. He directed The Last Starfighter. Wow. Mm-hmm. But most importantly, he played The Shape, otherwise known as Michael Myers in the first Halloween 
And, Sean, ah. and he plays Michael Myers in our buddy's new movie, which is coming out this year. The new Halloween. Wow. Yeah. So Nick Castle is back as the original Michael Myers, which I didn't know until I saw this, which is kind of kind I didn't of awesome. know there was the last Starfighter connection. That's yeah. crazy. Yeah. Isn't that awesome? Yeah. Um, but that is... I always have to go back and make sure I talked about the writers. That is... <laughs> The, the sum total of this little movie, and um, I'm pretty excited to, to, to check it out. Yeah. Well, there's a reason you didn't find a ton of extra stuff for some of these people. Mm-hmm. I'm going to get into that in a second, but I just literally read this, and I want to share it uh, because if you're in Los Angeles, and I know quite a few of you are, uh, John Carpenter is doing another live show of music, movie themes, so great. On Halloween itself. Oh, man. At the Palladium. This is only U.S. date, it looks like, for this uh, fall, sadly. Hopefully, he will uh, make some more rounds. I would, I would love to see one of those shows. It looked like a lot of fun. Yeah. But yeah, if you're in L.A., check it out. Go look for tickets right now. Probably will go quickly. This was announced, I think, a week ago. So, uh, jump on it. Uh, Craig, basically... This is a film school movie, man. Uh, and that's what's, I think, so exciting about it. And, and it's nice to hear that guys like Nick Castle, you know, uh, went on to direct a movie like The Last Starfighter when I'm, I, I would guess he probably went to school with him as well. No. But Carpenter and Ban- O'Bannon, excuse me, uh, wrote this movie while they were film students at USC. It was initially titled The Electric Dutchman. And the concept was Carpenter's. O'Bannon fleshed out uh, a lot of the ideas and contributed a lot of the comedy to it. And again, this is a comedy, which also excites me because I don't think there's a ton of those in Carpenter's filmography. You know, yeah. Big Trouble, Little China, uh, there's there's a handful, but um, this one is extra exciting to me for that reason. Um According to O'Bannon, the ending was copped from Ray Bradbury's story, Kaleidoscope, which um, is from his collection, The Illustrated Man. I'm not familiar with that story, so it'll be new to me. Mm-hmm. And that's cool, but all you Bradbury diehards out there, uh, don't get too pissed. Um, <laughs> so they started with, I think, a budget of $1,000, which came from US- USC itself, which is oh, wow. pretty healthy and generous in yeah. 1970. And they completed the first version of this movie in 72. I don't know how that works, but I would love to. I think that's really fascinating oh, that wow. they got yeah. that much money from the school and then had two years to make it. But it was only 45 minutes long at that point. Now, um, to achieve theatrical length, obviously, they added about 50 minutes um, after... Uh, a Canadian distributor named Jack Murphy, who was ultimately credited as a production <laughs> associate, mm-hmm. came on board and I think ponied up a little more money uh, through John Landis, director of Spies Like Us and... Uh, yeah, in, Into the Night. Into the Night, okay. And it was something the night. Yeah, Into the Night, that was great. <laughs> um, Mr. Landis, who was friends with uh, Dan O'Bannon, uh, got the attention of Jack Harris, who was, I think, a more established uh, producer, obviously. And he got the theatrical distribution rights for the movie and then insisted on extensive cuts, which then meant they had to shoot more stuff because they were back down to a short running time. Uh, so they shot some stuff on 35, 
and they got it back up to the length they needed. It sounds like that was not a pleasant experience. Uh, O'Bannon, in fact, later lamented that uh, as a result of the padding of the movie to get to that length, quote, we had what would have been the world's most impressive student film, and it became the world's least impressive professional film. (laughs) (laughs) Which, that you know, I mean, coming on the hills of Forbidden World, we'll see. We'll see, right? Yeah. Um, but, yeah, I mean, just to show how much this is like a student film and how much I love that, just the idea that they made this basically when they were in school, uh, there is a reference to a professor in the film whose last name I think was Frug or Frug. Mm-hmm. Look for that. Now, I-, I saw conflicting things that said the final budget was around 60000 Whoa. Saw one that said six thousand. So I, I don't know, but I saw the sixty thousand in more than one place. I'm gonna go with that. Right. Um, now, obviously, that means that if you're making a sci-fi movie, you're probably cutting back on certain aspects monetarily. So we can look forward to in this movie uh, buttons on the console, which are actually ice cube trays uh, illuminated from beneath. Uh, on one of the spacesuits, Craig, there is apparently a muffin tin uh, <laughs> that was spray painted. Uh, the helmets, the space helmets in this movie were part of a toy line called the STAR team, which was produced from 68 to 71 and are obviously sized for children, apparently, <laughs> as evidenced by the poor fit on the actor's head. And the spacesuits themselves were made to resemble the suits of a Mattel action figure known as Major Matt Nelson. And uh, they even used one of those in miniature for an effect shot. Wow. Uh, the talking bombs, yes, talking bombs, were made out of plastic model kits for cars and trucks. So not only is this a film school movie, but it definitely feels like it was made by little boys, which <laughs> I love. I love. I, I love, love this. Uh, yeah. You know, it's just figuring out any way to make this thing look like you're in outer space. It's great. So the movie had its premiere at the Los Angeles International Film Exposition in March of 74. Uh, Carpenter apparently described it to the audience as waiting for Godot in outer space, which is kind of fun. Uh, But then Bryanston Pictures got involved, and they released it uh, domestically in 53 theaters, uh, actually in 75. So it's January 16th, 1975. So, again, I went looking for box office information. Couldn't really find anything for this particular movie. But uh, 75 was a good year, man. Top 10, number one movie, Jaws, of course. Uh, number two was Rocky Horror Picture Show. I would not have guessed that. Although, I mean, it's a phenomenon, but you, I don't think of it more as like a specialty thing over the years versus being this huge hit the year it came out. Yeah. Uh, after that, you got Cuckoo's Nest, Dog Day Afternoon, Shampoo, Return of the Pink Panther, Funny Lady, uh, The Apple Dumpling Gang, Aloha Bobby and Rose, and The Other Side of the Mountain, rounding out your top 10. Very, that's good company. Good company. Yeah, yeah, it's a good year. Um, the poster has two taglines, which I kind of liked. The first one in very big letters is the Spaced Out Odyssey. Of course, they had a reference 2001. Mm -hmm. And then they took the Kubrick thing one step further. Beneath the title, it says, The Mission of the Strange Love Generation, with an exclamation mark, which uh, I don't know what that means exactly. (laughs) Um, 
The movie got a re-release in 79 because at that point, obviously, you had Alien and Halloween, which had both come out and been huge hits. So definitely they capitalized on that. And I think it, it said something about from the from the author of Alien and the director of Halloween. Uh, but at that point, um, I'm sorry. Uh, it was also, you know, a, a thing that took off in the VHS generation. And it got a Laserdisc release in 1992, which O'Bannon then did get his hands on again as an editor and cut it down to 72 minutes. Wow. I'm not positive which cut we're going to find on Amazon. I'm, I'm sorry, on disc, but it looks like that one is closer to an hour 23. Uh, because, yeah. So in 99, there was a DVD version that uh, has a 68-minute special edition and the theatrical release. And then 2010 had a uh, hyperdrive edition, which has a feature-length documentary, which we got to see. I would imagine. And then 2012, it came out on Blu-ray in a thermostellar edition, but that one only has the theatrical version. So I don't know. If you can find that Blu-ray, I don't know if that's worth... Maybe you ought to just get the DVD and deal with the crappy resolution. Thermostellar edition? Thermostellar, yep. I don't know if that's a reference to something in the movie. I assume so, yeah. Yeah. Um, so the movie did great at that film festival, but not so much in those 53 theaters. Uh, apparently, uh, John Carpenter and O'Bannon reported seeing nearly empty theaters and a lack of reaction uh, to the humor when they went to a couple screenings. But yeah, it took off on VHS. Uh, critics, not so kind. Variety said it was, quote, a limp parody of 2001. Uh, that warrants attention attention only for some remarkably believable special effects achieved with very little money. And uh, in 1979, after the re-release, Ebert gave the film uh, three out of four stars, said, quote, Dark Star is one of the damnedest science fiction movies I've ever seen, a berserk combination of space opera, intelligent bombs, and beach balls from other worlds. <laughs> Can't wait to see what that means. Yeah. Um. But yeah, I think that the influence of this movie has popped up uh, elsewhere in pop culture. It, it definitely, the sitcom, you know that UK sitcom Red Dwarf? You heard yeah. of that? Yeah. yeah. I, I think that was uh, heavily influenced by by this movie. Uh, and then Pinback, the character that you mentioned before, uh, Danny Boyle named a character that in the movie Sunshine. Oh, wow. Which I, I still haven't that. seen that damn movie. And, uh, That's good stuff. Yeah, there's a, a very well-regarded uh, indie rock band named Pinback, and I think they've referenced this movie as well. You're thinking of Nickelback. Of... No, I'm not thinking of Nickelback oh. at all, actually, Craig, but thank you. Uh, <laughs> Pinback. Gotcha. Uh, I, I think they do reference the movie in a couple songs. Uh, the music connection continues. Erasure sampled dialogue in their song Sweet Sweet Baby, as did Human League uh, in a song called Circus of Death. There's even a cave system, a massive underground cave system in Uzbekistan was named Dark Star by British cavers who discovered it. And uh, other fun facts, Craig. Apparently the animosity with the producer Jack Harris was uh, so high that there is a blink if you miss it, blink and you'll miss it moment where it says F you Harris on one of the computer screens in the movie. (laughs) So look for that. And then, yeah, I think you mentioned that uh, the, one of the actors, and I'll mispronounce his name, Dre Pahich, mm. 
played a character named Talby. Uh, apparently has a, a very heavy accent in real life, and that dialogue was redubbed, and that is apparently where we might hear Carpenter's voice himself. Oh, wow. Now, here's something I found in more than one place, and I don't know why this is like such a big deal, but Ron Cobb, who worked on the movie in some capacity, I think perhaps as production designer, and you know we're talking film school production designers, so take that with a grain of salt. Um, apparently, he drew the original design for the Dark Star itself on a napkin while eating at IHOP. And uh, yeah, again, two, more than one place had brought that up, so I guess I don't know if that's important or not. Um IMDb says, if you like this movie, Craig, you'll also like Assault on Precinct 13, Prince of Darkness, The Fog, Starman, Memoirs of an Invisible Man, and In the Mouth of Madness. All right, if they say so. Yeah. I mean, I feel like you've, you've probably seen all of those, right? I have seen all of those. Um, okay, well, about- you'll be able to tell then. I mean, obviously, they're just going for Carpenter, but... yeah. Yeah, if you like this movie, you might like other movies made by the exact same person. That's not hard to do, you know? No, like, I don't need an algorithm say, to tell me that. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I think, IMDb, you need to try a little bit harder. Please. So, Craig, you mentioned you were born in 74, but mm. I looked slightly at January 16th, 1975, since that was the day that it actually, like, really popped it up in theaters of 53 lucky theaters that got to screen this and on that day a gentleman by the name of greg strauss was born Mm -hmm. uh i didn't recognize that name but he is a director and he's made the movie skyline aliens versus predator requiem with his brother but he was also an executive producer on take shelter and he works mainly as a visual effects guy it looks like and he worked on midnight special uh, Stranger Things, Rampage, Avatar, Galaxy Quest, and perhaps most importantly, White Chicks. So, happy oh, wow. birthday, Greg. Happy um, birthday. And then get this. I thought this is perhaps maybe a more relevant and fun connection, but it actually happened the day before. Space Mountain opened to Disney World January 15th, 1975, which is my mom's birthday. Not in 1975, but January 15th. So happy birthday, Mom. Oh, wow. Happy birthday, Mom. Yeah. These are <laughs> and great. that's all These I got, Craig. I think, uh, yeah, there's there's bound to be way more gems in that documentary if, if hopefully we'll get around to watching that at some point. But uh, that's Dark Star. I'm excited as hell to see this movie. What about you? I, I really am. I mean, it's been a long time coming, and uh, it's about time to put this one in the hole. Yeah, I don't remember this thing at all. I'm sure it was in the video stores. Never caught my eyes uh, enough in a way to make an impression on my very impressionable brain. Mm. So we'll see what Carpenter and O'Bannon have in store here with Dark Star. Uh, go check it out if you get the chance. I, I think it, it could be fun and is an important part of at least nerd film history, I think, right? Totally agreed. Awesome. Any last words, Craig? Uh, last words today come from John Carpenter himself. Uh, um, watch my movie. Oh, he said that? Yeah. 